an intriguing case today from 1981, where a police officer, Sergeant Yoakum, and CB radio enthusiast Lucky 13 managed to record the sound of an actual UFO. Or could it be something else entirely? Join myself and Neil as we discuss the strange audio recording and the claims associated with it. Aliens Explored is a weekly podcast exploring famous and obscure cases of UFO sightings, alien abductions and other strange events from both a believing and a sceptical perspective whilst keeping an open mind. I'm Stu Jackson, a professional actor and amateur ufologist with a particular interest in the crop circle phenomenon. I'll be debating that otherworldly visitations are real. The truth is out there. And I'm Neil Kelly. I'm a professional actor as well and used to work for the military as an intelligence analyst. I'll be arguing from a more doubtful point of view. I mean, it's all a bit far-fetched, isn't it? Welcome, everyone, back to Aliens Explored. Um, This episode, uh, Stu and I will be um, looking at the mystery of the... um, of the uh, St. Helens Police Department recorded UFO sound in Oregon, or as, the, as it's sometimes known as the Sergeant Russell Yoakum um, event. Um, my name is Neil Kelly. And I'm Stu Jackson. And I'm excited about this. This is an actual recording, as some would have you believe, mm. of an actual UFO with its engines revving up. <laughs> yeah. This is yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard to know hard to know what to make of it. Um, I mean, it, it. I mean, this was a conversation that I mean, this was it back in 1981, wasn't it? March 17th, 1981. Sergeant mm. Russell Yoakum of um, St Helens, Oregon Police Department, was on patrol on Highway 30 west of the Columbia River uh, when he saw a bright light in the sky. I mean, he was used to seeing lights because the airport's not far away, but. Uh, just at 4am. At 4am. Yeah, yeah, I mean, do they have flights at 4am? I, th- I thought oh, well, they... God, I'd have thought so, yeah. I've, uh, I've been on flights in the UK at that, or from the UK and to the UK at that time. I don't see I don't see why they wouldn't have flights at that time. But I think you hit the nail on the head a moment ago when you said he was used to seeing them. He was used to seeing lights, but this was different from... He knew this was different from what he normally saw. This was a a very, very bright light, which he said turned everything to day beneath it. Mm. And, of course, as a police officer, he is a very credible witness. Uh, yes. You know, it has yeah. to be, you know, trained to be observant, to meticulously note details... All that kind of thing, and and trained to give evidence. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and so, trained to trained to not speculate. So, we we have to assume that. Um, 
I mean, he's still a human being at the end of the day, and speculation is part of our makeup. It it is. This was a professional police officer. How how professional are the police out in um, out in out in the backwoods of Oregon? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, from what we understand, um, uh, Sergeant Yoakum, you know, I mean, there Mm. was nothing to question. Um, his his, you know, fairly grounded guy. Not given to flights of fancy that I'm aware of or anything like that. Yeah, he yeah. says it's not an aer- aircraft that he's seen. Mm. I I'm, I can see us taking that on face value. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, all, all I know about Sergeant Russell Yoakum is is what what's from this story. So I don't really know. I don't really know the man, but you know the fact that he's a police officer and he's obviously he's been promoted at some stage. Well, that's is. it. I mean, this is what you know he's famous for, of course. Um, and of course, it doesn't end with him seeing a light, does it? Well, uh, no. He was. Uh, this is where Lucky Thirteen comes in. Um, this is yes. this was um, March nineteen eighty one. So it was back in the days of um, CB Citizens Band Radio. Break a break a good buddy. Break a break a good buddy. And and I knew quite a lot of people who were really into CB radio and had CB radios in their cars and such. And they, they'd, all have their, they'd all have their, their handles. Um, um, and this guy who's bore the handle Lucky 13 called in. Um, Donald Askins, to give him his, his actual name. Donald, Donald Askins, Lucky 13. Um, who... Um, who said that he too had seen a light, but he was seeing it somewhere else. Yes. Not too far away, though, was it? Not too far away. He, um, I mean, the light that the police said they saw, they said was bobbing up and down. Askins insisted the light that he was seeing was, was stationary. Um, and then it was later proved that the light the officers saw during the first moments of the sighting from the courthouse was a man-made light on Sovi Island across the river. Yes, but to the south of them, that's where the light that Lucky 13 was yeah, so they, seeing they coming from. to the south, and there, there was the light that Askins was, Lucky 13 was watching. And so it was low and standing out over the river um, where there were few, just a few faint lights. And making a noise. Um, yeah, so Lucky 13 said, well, it's, it's a really cold night, said, but it's making a noise. It's, it's, I mean, I think they described it as revving up. Mm. This thing looks like it's, it says uh, it's like it's revving up its engines. Revving up its yeah. engines. And he dangled his um, CB mic out of the window of his That's rented right. house. And uh, Sergeant Yoakum, and he got a few other police. So this is not an isolated police officer he got other police officers involved at this point mm. they managed to get hold of uh, a tape record i mean obviously this is before the days of digital recordings and uh, on phones and things like that this would have been a cassette um, recorder that you would have used to record yeah this is a proper cassette recorder that you and i would remember neil because yes. we're getting on we press the two uh, buttons down you press play <laughs> and record down together play and, and record <laughs> oh, do you remember having to um, adjust the azimuth screw? Um, 
No. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't think my. I think I had one. It had some kind of measure or control on it, but yeah, uh, it kind of. It, it. I don't know what it adjusted, but it adjusted but, but something I, I remember, for playback. I remember the basic thing was that that you you would record with the volume on as low as possible or set to nothing, mm. um, and then and then that would be the what you recorded it at. So when you when you played it back, you could turn it up from there. Whereas yes. if you return, if you record it with the volume on high, that would be the maximum volume it would play at. Indeed. Now, of course, doing that and, and you know, I mean, you and I, we, we know a little bit more about sound recording now through our day jobs, don't we? Uh, we do, yeah. As actors. Yeah. Um, and, of course, the when you do that, you get terrible gain, you get terrible distortion in the background, which is what you get to a degree with this recording. Unfortunately, it is quite poor quality. But I'll tell you what, why don't we just... Take a moment to listen to a snippet actually from this recording um, and, and hear the sound of this UFO. quite a noise isn't it Neil uh, it, it is quite a noise um, but it I, I'm, I, I can't, can't can't quite place it but it if I heard a noise like that, if someone said what does this sound like I wouldn't immediately think oh wow that sounds like another worldly noise that sounds like a bit of industrial machinery going or, a, or an, a turbine or something or or like my like my PC when I forget to turn it on at night and it, it that's when the, the, the disk drive starts running at three o'clock in the morning. Or <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can definitely see what you're saying. I can, I can certainly feel there's an industrial sort of mechanical almost. Ele- mm. Although it's not... Oh, no, I mean, I've, I've worked in the automotive industry. I've worked in heavy manufacturing in the past. And... and there's nothing specific that I can relate it to and say, ah, it sounds like a turbine or it sounds like a diesel engine. Or, you know, there's nothing. It doesn't sound like anything specific that I can put my finger on. But I do agree. It's got a, a certain mechanical sound. When it's coming from this ball of light, though, this ball of orange light, <sighs> A smoking gun time, um, surely. So this uh, lucky thirteen, 
I mean, he, he can see a light and he can hear a sound and he can be sure that they're, they're the same thing because the sound is coming from the light. The thing that's making the light is also making the sound. Well, he's pointing his CB mic. Um, so this is one of the old desktop mics with the big push-to-talk button. Hmm. Um, they're quite solid things. They're also, um, I, I believe they're cardioid mics, uh, which means that rather than it being like picking up noise from all the way around, it only picks up sound from a particular direction. So he's had to take this, this microphone to his window basically points the microphone in the direction of the light and held down the button. And that's how it's picking up the noise. So so we can be fairly sure that it is coming from the direction of the light. It's okay. not just a completely different sound from elsewhere. Okay. I mean one of the one of the cops who heard it said it sounds like a power plant diesel motor and a screeching noise in between it there or, or with it. He said I've heard a lot of diesel motors myself, and I drive a diesel car. Hmm. Um, it doesn't sound anything like that. Well, no, I mean it's not, it's not chugging. You can't hear it sort of duga 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 duga. But if it, if it was mm. revving really high, mm, you've seen the way I drive, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or I just, I just, you know, um, a turboprop engine, a, a, a helicopter engine. If you can't hear the sound of the blades going, you know, take away the sound of the blades going womp, 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 and you've got a sound pretty much like that, haven't you? Uh, is it, though? Because you still get that chugga-chugga noise even then. Much more rapid, obviously, because you are talking about very high revolutions. Hmm. I mean, with a helicopter, if you're beneath it, what you mainly hear is the... Is the air being beaten down by the rotors, isn't it? But if you're if you're mm. close to a helicopter on the ground, or, or or an aircraft, a turboprop aircraft on the ground, you've got that, or a jet engine even, you've got that that kind of sound. So that's an interesting point. Then, when you do have engines and machinery of that of, of that intensity of that huge scale hmm. to produce that sort of noise get you're aware of it you know if you've got a turbine from a, a jet engine going off i tell you if it's going off 500 yards away you know you know you know very hmm. much you can feel it you're very aware of it but all he's got is a ball of light and a noise because he'd have said oh yeah i can feel the heat coming off or i can yeah, oh, oh it's well, no, blasting me off my feet. Or, you, you know, he just said if it, there was some effect like that. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of the kind of military technology that might have been around at the time. Mm-hmm. And because I, I was in the military at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that um, aircraft, I mean, they had all sorts of aircraft. I remember at my base in Germany in 1981, the, um, the, the A-10 Warthogs carrying out manoeuvres very close to our base um and they move like no other plane they they could suddenly they, they'd be flying a jet plane but it's it can almost sort of bring bring itself to a stop at stalling speed and then turn on its wing and fly off at 90 degrees They're extremely maneuverable right. and they they make that kind of sound you know this whining 
jet engine sound. And they also had a technology called Starlight, um, mainly be used by helicopters. But basically, if you're fighting a counterinsurgency, um, that you can you can really you know you, you're not reliant on flares. You can actually light up an entire area you know, and, and see everything. Anything that moves is going to cast a big shadow and be clearly visible. Yes, and whilst I'm well aware that the military are absolute, well, certainly here in the UK, I know mm. this is the case, and I would hope it's the case in America as well, yeah. that the military are absolutely banned from doing things like targeting civilian vehicles for training practices and things like that. Um, but as a person who has been targeted by mm. military vehicles for training purposes. You know, I've, I've been in my car and I've been followed by jets. And I know they're training their guns on me to, you know, mm. as, as, a, as a training exercise. I also know they're absolutely, totally forbidden from doing that. But anyway, mm. that's a whole... And I know they do things like that. So I can see what you're saying there. But surely in the... In the case of an aircraft, you know, whether it's a helicopter or um, a jet of some description, you'd have had more than just a visual and an auditory element. There there would have been a physical element, whether it's like the wind blowing you or something like that. No, not not with a jet hundreds of feet up. You wouldn't you wouldn't feel a wind. Was it you hundreds of feet up though? This light. Um, I imagine it was at the kind of. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't say. Um, but I imagine it was at the kind of height where, if it was an aircraft, you wouldn't actually feel the physical disturbance of the air from it. That you would. That you'd be able to hear it, and if it if it was using a, a technology like starlight to to light up the ground below for counterinsurgency yeah, purposes that, that yeah that's conflating two things though isn't it because starlight you say is helicopter based um i think it's normally helicopter based because it, it needs to be really a slow moving aircraft or an aircraft that can hover sure. over a, and and there's no point that, doing it with a jet that whizzes over at 400 miles an hour that would tie in with lucky 13 saying that this light was stationary over the river hmm. um, and turning the whole place into daylight. But that's what I'm saying. There would have been massive ripples on the water. It would have... I'm not sure there would have been, but uh, certainly if it was a helicopter. Um, well, if it's stationary, that, that suggests a helicopter to me. Although at that time, I, I believe the US Air Force were also using Harrier jump jets. Okay, that would make also, that sound and and could also use that light. I mean, the Harrier but also would kind of, have created um, massive disturbances on the ground. Not not if it was high enough. Uh, only when it came in really low. A, a jump jet at a uh, hundred feet up probably wouldn't make much of a disturbance on the on the river. See, I'm getting the impression that where he said that the Light was above the river. Hmm. I, I'm I'm getting the impression, and and it is just an impression that it's slightly above the river. That it's like just above it, 
Um, okay. Now, in, now, nothing I've read, to be fair, says that. That's just my impression. Um, um, well, at one point, someone on the on the CB call says it's like the sun is just coming up. To which someone replies, "It better not be. It's awfully early." Awfully early for the sun. I don't think the sun would be just in that one spot. But that suggests very low. It it suggests very low, but I'm not. You know, I'm not. I mean, I'm assuming they're looking up to it. They're not seeing something at eye level. It's it's at least at treetop height, which is where a, which is where a, a, a jump jet or a helicopter would be to deploy. You'd kind of want to be out of range of small arms, effective range of small arms fire. If you came in really low with starlight and there were insurgents underneath you and you lit them up, their first reaction would be to shoot at you. So, but it, it doesn't say, does it? It doesn't say how, how high. Well, the Coast Guard confirmed that they had it on radar yeah and that it went down i mean it, it says that st helens where where um sergeant yokum was is a small mill town about 20 miles northwest of portland um his attention was drawn to a bright light that was moving upriver it's an aircraft passed over here regularly on their way to the airport. But mm. this light was extraordinarily bright. So I'm thinking the kind of height that an, an aircraft would be as it's making its approach, but it's still 20 miles from the airport, that would still be fairly high, wouldn't it? Uh, 20 miles, you'd hope, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Although... it's, sort of, it's sort of coming in from thousands of feet up. 20 miles away, it's still going to be... It's going to be higher than treetop height, isn't it? It's oh, absolutely. I mean, they, they wouldn't be at cruising height, but yeah, certainly maybe... It'll be coming in, but, you know... You know, depending on the aircraft, yeah, maybe 10,000 feet, something like that. I mean, I think, I mean, aircraft cover great distances in a short space of time, don't they? I mean, I know that... Well, mm. I know that aircraft coming into Heathrow lower their undercarriage when they're still over Richmond Mortlake which is miles from Heathrow. And I know that because the frozen body of an Indian fell out into my brother's street in Mortlake some years ago. What? He was a, he was a stowaway, stowed away in the undercarriage of, a, of an aircraft and then when uh, froze to death at 40,000 feet or whatever, the plane was flying at for hours on end. Um, and then when, um, when the plane opened to, to lower its undercarriage, um, he fell out. His frozen body landed in the street. Wow. Um, gosh. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Yeah. That. So that's how I know the kind of distances. So, you know, it's, it's yeah, Heath, um, Mortlake is still quite a long way from, yeah, it's a good half an hour's drive from, yeah, more than half an hour's drive from Heathrow. Mm. But planes are already lowering their undercarriage at that point. Yes, well, planes obviously um, they've got a straight line, which makes it yeah. easier than cars. But also, yeah, they do move way quicker. Was, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so twenty miles away is not going to be that far. But but 
definitely, I agree with you, above treetop height. Hmm. Um, but no, I just, mm, like I say, it's just this, I can't shake it, this, this idea that it was much, much lower than that. Um, I mean, you, you would think that the Coast Guard, at least, would have been aware of a, of a military manoeuvre going on. You would, unless it was um, a secret military exercise. Yeah. But then, as soon as they saw people looking at them, don't you think they'd have buggered off? This thing hung around for ages. About half an hour. Yeah. Mm. I mean, you would think... I mean, the first light they saw turned out to be a, um, a man-made light on Sovi Island across the river, and the fog variable that night had created the bobbing effect. So it was, it was foggy as well. But we don't know if that's the first light that hmm. Sergeant Yoakum saw. That, that's I... the first light. That, but then um, Lucky 13 was on the radio saying, no, I'm looking at something different, and that's when they turned to the south and saw this other light. No, I'm wondering if he saw something overhead, then went to have a look at it, but ended up looking at the wrong thing in response. Um, so I thought. Do you I see thought, what I mean? Sergeant Yoakum saw a bright light that was moving upriver. Mm hmm. Um, it was extraordinarily at, bright. At some point, he's going to lose sight of that. Yeah, he radioed headquarters, then drove on to St Helens to look at the light from the county courthouse on I the banks of Columbia River. And th and that's, that's the point he started seeing the bobbing light, him but and his mistook other, it for what he'd seen previously. Yeah, he got up there with other officers, but they were looking in the wrong direction. So yeah, that that for me that puts a little bit of a question mark over Sergeant Yoakum's reliability there. That that uh, he he became disorientated by by going into a building and went out looking at the wrong direction but still never I guess you know he, as he was making his way up to an upper story saw a bright light and thought oh that must have been the light I was looking at but didn't think to think well wait a minute no it was in the other direction yeah I think that's easily done especially when you're talking about moving lights you know yeah you just Maybe, yeah. yeah you see a bright light and it's easy to jump to oh that must be the one hmm yeah well, okay. Um, I'll tell you what. Let's have another listen to this sound, um, and then we'll we'll do our usual summary. So here it is again. Yes, we are. 
So there we are. What what do you think then, Neil? What what's your summary thoughts? Um, my my first reaction is that it's it's military. I mean, I can think of a, a you know military military equipment being deployed that I've seen that would that would match that description. That would make it you know a Harrier jump jet makes a sound like that, and that kind of light. That's especially the fact that it's it's lighting up the ground beneath. That's that's a searchlight. That's that's an that's a counterinsurgency. Um, you sound, to, to you me, sound quite convinced. Um, uh, yeah, based on the evidence I've seen, it, it just sounds too much like that for me to be otherworldly. Okay, well, I mean, for me, the, the only difficulty really with that, and I, I get where you're coming from, but like you said, the Coast Guard hopefully have been aware of military activities unless it was top secret but if it was top secret then the moment people are standing there gawping at it it would have gone um, um so yeah so I'm that thinking, kind of defies the logic of that no i'm thinking not secret but the the coast guard said they didn't know about it but i also know what military communications are like as well i mean when i was in on exercise in germany i was sent out to look for a, a missing drone this is um at that time there was a, a, a technology called Midge. It was the Canadair C eighty nine, which was um a, a, a jet powered drone which would be launched with a rocket booster off the back of a truck. It would fly a pre programmed route, um and it would be beaming back television images of whatever it overflew. And the idea was it would fly around in a circuit, come back to its user. The engine would cut out. It would deploy parachutes and airbags coming for a, a nice gentle landing, ready to be reprimed, reprogrammed for the next mission. And yeah, for the commander in the field, it's the answer to the question, what's on the other side of that hill? But like a, so much military technology, it was prone to catastrophic failure. And it was quite common for you. Yeah, you launch the thing and immediately lose contact with it. And you just have to send people out to look for it. And I was on exercise. They asked for German speakers um, who could go out and go around knocking on farmers doors and ask if you know, <laughs> it's possible that our aircraft has crashed on your land Excuse can we come and look for it wrong? <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah um and but uh, we, we eventually we were recalled to base and said yeah, okay we found it and then later we found out that actually it had already been found before we'd even been sent out to look for it just word <laughs> hadn't, you know, that, that's the army for it. anyone who's listening who's done military service will be familiar with that kind of scenario <laughs> fair enough um, I, for me, a lot of this hangs, however, on what height this object was. Um, I think without knowing that, it's really hard to gauge. I, I, I really do like the idea that it's otherworldly, though, and that we've got this actual audio recording of another worldly vehicle. But do we have, do we have other examples of? UFOs apparently lighting up the ground beneath them. Oh yes. All, I mean, all, all right. This is, this is a UFO, but it's just a, whether it's another world of UFOs. Well, this is a question. Definitive form. Yeah, we we don't know what it is. Ergo, it's a UFO. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when it says on the transcript, it says, "What you are about to hear is the actual sound of an unidentified flying object," mm. which is true. Um, 
it was something in the sky at night. We don't know what it is. It's a UFO, but whether it's otherworldly, I think is still a question mark over that. You can you can say that of bird calls for me because I haven't got a clue what bird is what from its call. <laughs> but, you, but you know it's a bird, don't you? you so they're all it, yeah. unidentified. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, what do you think, listeners? Is this an actual sound of an alien spacecraft? Is it something much more mundane? Um, is, is it military, as Neil suggests? Or is there something else that we've missed entirely? Um, do message us and let us know. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook. And you can also let us know if there are any otherworldly matters that you would like us to discuss on this show. Um, so that's it on this one. Um uh, Next week, next week, Neil, it's Halloween. Hmm. <laughs> uh, looking forward to that. So I thought next week we'd go to the movies and we would discuss acclimation of alien visitation through Hollywood. Are we being programmed to accept aliens through Hollywood movies? It's a good question. It is, and we'll be addressing that next week. So that's it from me. And it's that, that's it from me. Sorry, I just goes off momentarily. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> uh, and yeah, in the meantime, keep watching those skies and always keep us a cassette player. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Aliens Explored is a Fecal Films production in association with Juicy Falls. Music by Darren Mafucci and editing by Stu Jackson. Find us on Twitter or Facebook by searching Aliens Explored or visit us on aliensexplored.com.